Hi, everybody. Welcome to a Competing to Win podcast powered by the Business Leaders of Michigan. I'm Guy Gordon, your host, and I'll be joined by special guests on each podcast as we learn more about what our state needs to do to make Michigan a top 10 state for business. And today I'm excited to be speaking with Howard Ungerleiter, president and CFO of Dow, and get his thoughts on where we are today and what's next for Michigan on Compete to Win podcast. Howard, welcome, and on behalf of business leaders for Michigan, welcome. Guy, thank you for having me. I am really excited to be with you today. So just bring us up to speed. We know there have been a lot of changes at Dow. Um, How long have you been with the company? And tell me about the role. Uh, Sure, Guy. Look, I've been with Dow uh, for a little more than three decades. Uh, I would say my career has spanned uh, a wide variety of uh, commercial, business, uh, functional, and enterprise uh, level leadership roles. Uh, I've been, I was elected uh, to the role of CFO by Dow's board in 2014. We had a little a little merge and spin with DuPont that uh, mm-hmm. created uh, three new publicly traded companies. Uh, I served as the CFO of Dow DuPont for that interim period of time. And then when we spun out the new Dow back in 2019, I, uh, I became the president and CFO of Dow Inc., uh, which is based in Midland, Michigan. And I also serve as uh, Dow's executive sponsor for our w- Women's Inclusion Network, which is our ERG for equality and advancement of women in the workplace. So a little bit about me, a little bit about Dow. So that covers Dow, but you also play this role with the business leaders for Michigan. You've been chairman uh, for the organization. Tell me why you felt it was important to be involved with them and the role that they play in helping to pave the way and to be kind of a pathway of, of hope and progress. Uh, for the Michigan business community. You bet, Guy. Look, Business Leaders for Michigan really started out as Detroit Renaissance in the 70s. And it came, coming out of the Great Recession uh, in 08 09, the members really saw the need for a statewide organization. And today, our members represent the executive leaders of the state's largest companies. Uh, collectively, we drive 40% of the, of the state of Michigan's economy. We generate over a trillion dollars in annual revenue. We employ well over half a million Michiganders. Uh, We educate more than half of the state's public university students. I personally have been involved with Business Leaders for Michigan since 2014. Really proud to work uh, with the organization and work with our CEO, Jeff Donofrio, and our nearly 100 member companies that come from all parts of our great state. And really our main focus, our sole focus is to help make Michigan a top 10 state. And when we say top 10 state, we're talking about jobs, we're talking about education, we're talking about widely shared prosperity for everyone, every Michigander, as well as uh, a healthy economy. So let's break that down because it's uh, it's a little bit like running a ball club. You've got metrics that you're gonna be looking at here because you you wanna have a, a top 10 win. When, when you talk about education, we're 43rd right now for third grade reading. Eighth grade math, not much better. How do we fix that, especially when, you know, we, we certainly have seen like in Massachusetts where they have, uh, are, are spending 100% more on low-income kids than on kids from uh, more well-off backgrounds. That's a hard sell, but it's getting outcomes. Where do you see us moving up in those rankings? Yeah, you know, look, last year, uh, Business Leaders for Michigan rolled out an updated strategy that we call Compete to Win. And that's really Michigan's path to becoming a top 10 state. And the plan really provides a framework for what Michigan must do to reach the top 10, really by focusing, Guy, on four key priority areas. One, and you, you let off with it with your question, doing better by our kids. 
two, investing in people, three, uh, accelerating our economy, and fourth, well, getting the fundamentals of running a state uh, right. And, you know, when Business Leaders for Michigan was founded back in that 09 period, the state's business perception was literally ranked 49th out of 50 states in the country. So we were literally at the bottom of the pack, working together as a business community in public-private partnerships with our elected officials in Lansing and around the state, we have made significant progress. In fact, in 2021, we were 29th in the country. So we went from literally the bottom of the pack to being average. But I would hopefully, uh, I certainly hope that as Michiganders, we can all agree on one thing uh, and that we don't want to just be average. We really want to be in the top 10. And that, you know, being in the top 10 really will mean more jobs for everyone importantly, more higher paying jobs, more economic opportunities for all of our citizens, including better education for our children. Um, you know, while the state grew in 2022, it wasn't enough to maintain our position to move up the ranks. The state, you know, our state actually slipped to 31st from 29th last year. Still a vast improvement for when we were the bottom of the pack in 09. Yeah. You know, I, I hope, and certainly on behalf of Jeff and, and my colleagues at Business Leaders for Michigan, we hope that serves as a wake-up call to all of us. I mean, Michigan's recent major investments in economic development and talent and education are absolutely a good start, but we need to continue our work to help Michiganders compete and win. But we're also, I don't know about you, Howard, but I'm witnessing something that I never thought I would witness in my career. I mean, I remember the time in Michigan when the only time you could get someone to settle here was to throw a lot of grant money at them from uh, UDAGs or things like that. Now we've got people knocking on our door because they see we've got uh, pretty good talent. Uh, and whether it's in Marshall or in Big Rapids, we're now seeing pushback. Even when the, uh, you, you can almost give a, a clean sheet start to these communities with the kind of jobs and incomes that are going to be paid there. What do we need to do to navigate what seems to be a, a more difficult and politically fussy time for a, a projects like that? Yeah, look, I, I, I think it goes back to our compete to win plan. Things like improving our education system so that we're really preparing our children and our young adults for the jobs of the future. And really what we're what we're advocating for is a holistic economic development strategy. That's not just about incentives. Certainly incentives can be one piece of it. But what we want to do is have a holistic economic development strategy guy that's preparing now for the Michigan we want in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and that's a part of that is creating a great business climate. I will just say that, you know, Michigan, we think as we've done, we're a research uh, organization, business leaders for Michigan. We've done a lot of research. And, you know, one of the states that we think we can learn a lot from is Tennessee. Uh, six years ago, Tennessee was ranked 34th overall. And today they are ranked ninth. And they did that in large part due to decades long investment in economic development and focusing on overhauling its kindergarten all the way beyond 12th grade through the career education system. You know, they have been able to do that. They created programs like Tennessee Score, which they really reformed their K through 12 education, creating pathways to higher education through Hope Scholarship, Tennessee Promise. They've invested for 20 years to prepare sites for the electrical uh, vehicle revolution. And they're now, today, Tennessee is number one for growth in tech workers. And that was accomplished by a consistent focus on economic competitiveness 
and site development. And they also improved through their education work K through 12 outcomes, including uh, universal free college tuition programs, as well as economic development related talent investments as well. Well, and Howard, we, we know, and for those of us that covered what happened with Tennessee and the battery developments that went down there that we felt we lost on, it, you know, that may have been ended up being a silver lining because it certainly provided, it was a catalyst uh, to do some pretty good self-reflection there, and we've, we've taken some positive steps forward. But the other thing that they have down there is plentiful energy. And we're witnessing something now here in the state of Michigan where I think the utilities had a pretty good long-range plan to do this transition into renewables. But now we've got, and I would argue, some pretty arbitrary uh, goal setting that's been put out there by both one party in the legislature and the federal government through the, the, the Energy Department and through NHTSA. Um, how worried are you, especially being from a company that's a large energy consumer, that this is going to hurt reliability and affordability? Yeah, I mean, look, guy. I really think that our, our focus, you know, our focus in the state, and we really need a bipartisan approach. This isn't, you know, Democrats are not going to solve this on their own. Republicans are not going to solve this on their own. Business leaders are not going to solve this on their own. We really need to come together uh, with a holistic economic development uh, message and program. And business leaders from Michigan is really focused on four key things. Uh, preparing now for the future we want. That includes housing, safety, community development strategies around the state that include prep for shovel-ready sites uh, for economic development. Ensuring Michigan's talent is a differentiator. That means mm -hmm. K through 12 reform, strengthening higher education outcomes, improving talent attraction and retention strategies, making Michigan the easiest state for people and business to grow. And I think this is where you are hunting. You know, we have to have competitive energy. We have to have uh, more red carpet, less red tape. You know, we're competing not only with Tennessee, but states, uh, you know, states right around the corner like Ohio uh, and Indiana. And fundamentally, many of those states are more welcoming and have better customer service when it comes to economic development and attracting new business, attracting new jobs, whether that's energy uh, or certifications or training and development programs. Um, you know, and finally, I would say take a, a smart and a consistent approach to incentives. You know, as a state, you know, we unfortunately are a little bit famous for doing the Michigan 180, where, you know, we have a, we have a Democrats uh, in, in control for a period of time and we go we go left and then we have Republicans coming in and then we go right. And, you know, when you're attracting uh, businesses, one thing, the, probably the most important thing that businesses want is certainty and consistency. And so we really, that's why we're promoting this economic development holistic strategy to say this isn't about incentives. This isn't about one right. thing. This is about the four pillars that will really make Michigan stronger and will make Michigan better able to compete and to win and be a top 10 state. And that is going to take all of us. Some of this is about working smarter, as you pointed out, in terms of being red carpet, not red tape. But some of it also means greater investment. As I said, K through 12 education, we saw how Massachusetts did that, but it yielded better outcomes. So many of the, the people that I talk to on WJR when they call into my show say, look, it feels like government's got their hand in my pocket for whether it's roads, they need another $4 billion. 
If it's education, they need you know X amount of investment for that. We aren't doing enough for talent. Um, they're very skeptical about whether or not these initiatives will actually lead to uh, outcomes. How do we convince folks that feel a bit beleaguered for financing these things and don't think they're they're getting a return on their dollar from from government to to put a put a green light on these things? Yeah, guy. Look, I would say this. Um, I don't want to be uh, cup half empty. Uh, actually, there's a lot of good news here. Uh, we are making progress. Well, the BLM survey that you just released is a great example of that. Yeah, no, exactly right. Look, we expanded opportunities for things like free community college through the reconnect program. The state did put $10 million into a fund for pure Michigan for talent marketing campaign. <clears throat> We've also worked around the state to expand four-year college scholarships. You know, through 2030, the U.S. is expected to add over 3 million jobs that pay better than the average annual wage in Michigan. And what we want to do through this holistic economic development plan is do more to attract those jobs. And we want our at least our fair share of those 3 million jobs. And as we, if we get if we get that or hopefully, Guy, if we do our work and we get our unfair share, then we will attract new people to the state. We will have existing uh, citizens that will be able to go up the job ladder from a pay and a compensation standpoint. That will improve our tax base and it will become a self-fulfilling positive cycle of good news where we'll be able to take some of that money and continue to reinvest it uh, into the state. And that can flip the script with people that are highly skeptical that these initiatives will bear fruit. We should point out, too, business leaders from Michigan, uh, you did release an executive survey. I've got to say it was interesting because usually here in Michigan, we are of the uh, of the if the rest of the country catches a cold, we get the flu or pneumonia. That's not what business leaders in Michigan are saying. Why they may see some clouds on the horizon. They seem to be very bullish about our ability to navigate through it. Yeah, look, I would uh, I would agree with that message. I mean, Michiganders, we are resilient people. I do think it's fair to say there are clouds on the horizon. So it's certainly around the country and, and around the state. You know, I mean, the, the storm clouds are there. The economy in Michigan and around the world is starting to slow. But we really don't see this as a short term uh, issue. We really want to drive economic development for the long-term competitiveness. So we need to look out to 2030, 2040, and 2050. And really, if you go back to that Tennessee example, that's what they did. Right. It will take it will take 20 or 30 years for us to be consistent in order for us to get to the top 10. But guy, if Tennessee can do it, and no offense to my you know brothers and sisters in Tennessee, but if they can do it, Michigan can do it too. No question. It, it does require kind of uh, busting out of silos, um, putting uh, self-interest aside and putting general interest forward. And sometimes that's hard to do in the political forum as well. But I, uh, thanks to business leaders from Michigan and people like you, Howard, I think that message is getting through and will resonate long term. Very good. Thanks. Guy. All right. Thank you very much. Any final thoughts? You know, I would just say, uh, you know, look, we're seeing a lot of uh, several pockets of success. So maybe just talk for a second about some of the pockets of success that we're seeing. The new innovation district in Corktown, 5,000 new workers, 25 million of local community investment. We've got the University of Michigan Center for Innovation in the Dis district of Detroit. That's a $250 million anchor investment for what hopefully will be a $1.5 billion district to draw people 
not only to live, but also to work, to play, and to grow. And it's not just about Southeast Michigan or, or the city of Detroit. In mid-Michigan, where I'm calling from, Hemlock Semiconductor just approved a, almost a $400 million project in Saginaw County. They broke ground in October. Um, actually, uh, President Biden spoke at SK Siltron in Bay City. They announced a $300 million uh, new plant that uh, opened September 1st. And this was really a catalyst, uh, a highlight of the CHIPS and the Science Act. So look, when you look at the opportunities in front of us <clears throat> and how we can propel Michigan forward to be a top 10 state, it's absolutely not only possible, Guy, but I would say it's probable that we can make it happen. But it's gonna take all of us working together with a consistent approach to move us out of the middle. And it's also gonna take bipartisanship. Uh, it's, you know, if there's one thing I know about Michiganders, it's that when we come together, when we focus on the common good for our state, we can get almost anything accomplished. And we saw that with the SOAR fund, which that was drafted, completed, and passed in a bipartisan manner in just a, a, a matter of months. So we, we know we can do it. Again, it's breaking through some of those, um, uh, maybe some of those bad habits that we've had. But those are great examples of the positive progress that we are seeing in, in some sectors. Howard Ungerleiter, thank you very much, President and Chief Financial Officer at Dow. Have a great day in Midland, and thanks for being with us. All right, Guy, right back at you. Thank you. All right. And thank you for joining us today for the Competing to Win podcast. If you're interested in learning and hearing more from other great Michigan business leaders like Howard about what we need to do to become a top 10 state, go to thegreatvoice.com. That's thegreatvoice.com. There you can listen to previous podcasts, share them with friends. We really encourage you to do that. We want to get this ball rolling or sign up to have the latest Competing to Win podcast automatically downloaded to your favorite platform, uh, be it on Apple, Spotify, whatever it may be. Until next time, thanks for joining us and take care.